Good evening, everyone, and welcome to High Spirits. My name is Jay Stegman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. You're listening to a show called High Spirits, in which we drink booze, and we talk about ghosts. We sure do. That's right. Hey, Noelle, what you drinking? Uh, tonight, I am drinking Trumpeter Malbec. Burp, burp, burp. I love a Malbec. Trumpeter. Yeah. Uh, me From too. Argentina? See. Si. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, tonight, I uh, am so lucky that my friend uh, Noelle brought me down some new Glarus. Yeah. Uh, they don't sell it outside of Wisconsin. Nope. Um, and I got Scream, which is a double IPA. Scream. Mm-hmm. Ah! It's topical. Yeah. It is topical. Mm-hmm. It is very uh, related to the show. Mm-hmm. So I also brought us some cheese. Oh, yeah, we're also eating cheese curds. <laughs> from Mars Cheese Castle. Thanks, Mars. Yeah, if you're not from um, Illinois or Wisconsin, you probably don't know what a Mars Cheese Castle is, but it is a brilliant and beautiful mm-hmm. building on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois. Right off the highway. Right off the highway. I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Like, they should know what I'm talking about, and they just were staring at me blankly. It's shocking when people don't know what Mars Cheese Castle is. I was like, Mars Cheese Castle. Duh. Duh. And and now I'm trying to remember. It might... Nope, it wasn't her. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember who it was now, but they they absolutely did not have any idea what I was talking about. And then I quickly realized that we could never be friends. Oh, good. Um, I don't need any competition. No, <laughs> I listen. I limit myself to one friend. One friend end. and one friend only. I don't fucking have time. <laughs> I'm very busy, so I only have time for you. You're, uh-huh. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Uh-huh. My God, I'd be so lonely. Mm-hmm. I'll just be over here eating cheese. What are you doing tonight? Uh, story wise. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you just meant in general. Do you need? I mean, what are you doing later? <laughs> Seeing I have no other friends to hang out with. <laughs> Sorry, Megan. Oh. <laughs> Friend of the show. (laughs) Hi, Megan. Um, I am doing scientists who believe in ghosts. What? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a large contingent of scientists that you know and love that actually believed in ghosts. Interesting. I didn't think that was a thing. It is a thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about it. Okay. Um, So the first ghost I'm going to start... First ghost I'm going to start with. Sorry. The first person... I'm going to start with is Sir Isaac Newton. Yes. I knew about that guy. From uh, the 1600s. Now you might remember uh, Sir (laughs) from uh, discovering the laws of motion. Yep. The laws of gravitation. Mm -hmm. He also invented calculus. Uh, Isaac Newton also. Forget that. Oh, birds. (laughs) He developed the first uh, reflecting telescope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaac Newton developed a sophisticated theory of color based on the observation that a prism uh, decomposes white light into the colors of the visible spectrum. So those were his sciencey things. Okay. He. Some people consider him like like kind of the like forefather of scientists of the Enlightenment, right? Uh huh. Like famous, famous, famous. You can't yeah. get through school without knowing who this is. Well, he was profoundly interested in the occult. Oh. Yeah. He he was obsessed with biblical numerology, astrology, and he also uh, was obsessed uh, and on a quest for the Philosopher's Stone. Um, Well, it's been found, and Thanos currently has it, I believe, in his presence. 
What are you talking about? The Avengers, of course. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what that is. Actually, I think the Avengers had it last, so. Okay. That's the cartoon movies? Superhero movies. They're based (laughs) on Marvel characters from the Marvel Universe. Who are cartoons? They're comic book characters. I don't. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. I just don't know. It's fine. Whatever, Jay. (laughs) As you were. I listen. I just. All right. Well, anyway, whatever Noelle just said is uh, not true in this case for the actual Philosopher's Stone, which is a legend. Whatever. An ancient legend. Um, There's a Harry Potter book about the. The Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. That's in the first one, isn't it? Yeah. I think in America we call it the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Um, Newton made no distinct. Uh, sorry, Newton made no distinction between um, the scientific and the mystical. Okay. He believed that the world could be understood through mathematics as well as through secrets hidden in the Bible. He read the Bible so much. He oh he read it in a uh, Kabbalistic way, um, wherein I'm referencing the Kabbalah. But he thought that there that there were, um, if you read it correctly. It would be filled with magic. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Based on his interpretations of the scripture, um, he estimated the date of the end of the world. And? 2060. Oh, okay. There's still time. Yeah, we have time. All right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when 2060 rolls around, we'll see. Okay. Um, Isaac Newton thought he could divide the size of the earth by studying the geometry of Solomon's temple. Um, he, uh, his studies on optics had their foundation in alchemy. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Like, cause all of this is like, he's looking at the Bible as being more of a magical, uh, or like a, the formula for a lot of this stuff. Yes. So his background then he would, and, and I know he was really involved with the, um, Knights Templar, right? Not sure. Um, maybe I'm making that up, but, um, his background is in Christianity, but would he, did he actually consider himself to be a Christian? Or? Yes. Okay. Very much so. Okay. I think that he was, the way that I read about his interest in the Bible, um, around this time, a little bit earlier, uh, there was this sort of, um, uh, in Judaism, this, this, uh, mysticism surrounding the Kabbalah. There's a place in um, uh, Israel called Safat, uh-huh. um, which I've actually been to, and it's at the top of a mountain and everybody there um, studies. The belief is you're not like you read between the words in the Bible and that it's coded and that it actually is a secret. Right. If you can, if you can, um, if you can work out the puzzle, you can have power and magic and uh, right. everlasting is, life if you want it. Which is kind of the whole basis of Dan Brown's, um, all of his books. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, the only reason I'm asking about the, yeah. the Christianity is basic, basically because that makes sense why he would have a strong belief in the spirit world. Yes. Oh, okay. yes. Sorry. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Um, so I just mentioned alchemy. Alchemy is what we used to call chemistry. Before chemistry became a science that it is, Uh um, many people dabbled in what they called alchemy at the time, which was the idea of trying to turn one substance into another substance, Mm -hmm. which, of course, we found out later you could do. Um, But uh, alchemy sort of had a 
like, I guess more of a, more of a potion-y kind of quality to it. Like, I'm going to turn this weirdo nonsense into gold kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right? Yeah. So, um, in trying to describe the behavior of the cosmos, uh, Sir Isaac Newton was trying to unlock the secrets of God's mechanisms. Uh, he used um, any of those tools he could find, mathematics, the Bible, alchemy, and uh, sciences that we would now consider occult. And I'm sure if you put it in front of like a PTA in, in 2018, they would be like, well, he's a Satanist. Right, right. Which uh, he was not at all. He was a devout Christian. Mm-hmm. All those prisms. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to move on uh, to another witchy scientist, uh, Carl Linnaeus from the 1700s. Okay. Um, he's a botanist, zoologist, and the father of modern taxon- taxonomy. Um, I, I don't know him. He's super famous, Leon. Okay. <laughs> Oops, I just called you your nickname on TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, well. Gee, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. No one but me. Anyway, um, his uh, System Naturae included a section titled Animalia Paradoxa, which listed fantastical animals as well as animals that had been described by explorers, but whose existence seemed suspect. Okay. So Carl Linnaeus was very much into cryptozoology. Oh. Yeah. Upright canines. <laughs> Those are werewolves. He <laughs> believed in uh, the satyr, the phoenix, and the manticore. The and manticore? I don't know what that is. Um, sorry. I'm eating cheese curds. Um, <laughs> um, I have to pull it up because I'm gonna, I want to get it right. Because I think that, yeah, it's um, a Persian legendary creature that's similar to a sphinx. Oh. So it's a lion's body with wings. Um, and actually it has in the, the head of a human. Oh, wow. Um, here, I'll just read this description. It has the head of a human, body of a lion, and a tail of poisonous spines similar to porcupine quills. <laughs> Sweet. While others uh, other depictions have it with a tail of a scorpion. Um but I, yeah, this yeah, and then these pictures show it with uh, wings as well. Huh. But yeah, that's it's a common it's a common uh, thing in like fantasy. Um, interesting. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Also, so, really off base. Yeah, but like interesting. <laughs> obviously, he's, he was doing like um, yeah, um, uh, kingdom genus phylum Mm -hmm. all the way down to that thing. I mean, like he is the father of modern taxonomy and believed in these things. Yeah. Now, um, this is, this is the, (laughs) this is the one that I think is the most exciting. Um, he not only believed, um, but chased after mermaids. Yeah, he did. (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing he really wanted to um find one and catch one (laughs) (laughs) don't we all don't we all i mean when you put it like that yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh but then when you really like break it down and you're like the this doesn't work like we could never we could never be in love and have like a long-standing oh do you think he wanted to love her i do i think that he had probably like some weird fetish Oh, because I think the the idea of a mermaid mermaid for 
a lot of people is a sexual thing. Because oh. when you look at mermaids, like how they're always depicted. They're pretty hot. They're very attractive women. And so I Wait, think that's a very nice way to put that. They're I feel really crass. I'm like, they're hot. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. But like, they're, I think it's a very sexual thing. Oh. And, but like functionally, like it just doesn't, practically it doesn't work. Like, well, they must have like a. <laughs> they don't. They're fish. Like they lay eggs. Oh, do they? Their, their reproductive parts are absolutely fish-like. Think about it. Well, I'm there's sure, no, they probably I'm sure don't can... have like, they, there's no vagina is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I'm like circling around. No, does not exist. No mervage. <laughs> but it's a really interesting concept. And I think like this is. There's to no... want all that beauty, but not be able to like consummate it. Yeah. And I mean, there's oh. gotta be like some type of psychology and I'm sure somebody's done some study on it. Sure. But I think that that's like a, I think it's. I think mermaids are purely sexual. Huh. That's my theory. Interesting. Yeah. Um, That's all. Yeah. Maybe he could find a mermaid that could give a really great HJ. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Um, let me. Let me. <laughs> there's other things you can do is all I'm saying. Um, uh, do you want me to translate that? She meant hand jobs. Uh, did I? <laughs> I meant Hollywood juxtaposition. <laughs> I meant homely jazz. Homely jazz. That's sad. The saddest jazz. <laughs> Saddest. It's like sad clown jazz. It really is the saddest kind of jazz. Hashtag sad clown jazz. <laughs> so yeah, maybe there's a mermaid that could give homely jazz. It was only in the 70s sad cl- when all those sad clown paintings came out. Oh my god. What are those clowns called? The uh, the hobo clowns? I, tramps? Tramps. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, for Carl and Hannes, when a supposed mermaid... Was reported to have been caught off the coast of Jutland. Linnaeus excitedly hoped it uh, would be a breakthrough in natural history, but the body was exposed as fake before he could make the journey to Jutland to see it himself. Wow. Oh, sorry, Carl. <laughs> sorry, it's a fake. She's a fake. It's just a really large fish with boobs. <laughs> I can imagine you'd still be like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Still interested. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a swig at this thing, Claris. Oh, man. All right, so the next one on this list is Joseph Priestley. He was a British chemist um, <laughs> who discovered oxygen in 1774. <laughs> what were they breathing before then? No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, he discovered oxygen the way that Columbus discovered America. Like, it was there. Right. He just broke down the uh, molecular structure of oxygen uh, and realized that um, uh, that's most of what our atmosphere was made of and, and what it is that kept us alive. Okay. I laughed too when I was like, it was like discovered oxygen. <laughs> it must have been so hard to stay alive before 1774. Um Joseph Friesley was also responsible for inventing the process for carbon uh, carbonation. Thank you. I'm sitting here with Diet Pepsi and a beer. So, yes, please. Carbonation. Yeah. Needed. Uh, can you imagine in 1774 they had to drink their Diet Pepsi without carbonation? Ugh. It's just like syrup flat. No. Gross. Why? I don't know. He also invented laughing gas. God bless you. Uh-huh. 
Um, now, and I'm going to say this combination of words again, and I know it sounds ridiculous, discovered oxygen. But uh, Joseph Priestley discovered oxygen in the first place to prop up his belief in the phlogiston, which is P-H-L-O-G-I-S-T-O-N, phlogiston theory, which is based on the assumption that there are four elements, water, earth, fire, and air. Okay. Eventually. (laughs) I'm just going back to the craft. Oh, water, water, fire, 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 air, air. (laughs) Again, if you haven't seen that movie, pause this. Yes. Take two hours. Yes. Treat yourself. Yes. Please. The craft. So good. With the chick we never heard from again, and and then also with uh, Feruza. Feruza Balk, Balk. Nev Campbell, and Robin Tooney. Oh, that's the girl who Tooney. I thought we never heard again. Uh, she was part of the Prison Break show. Didn't watch. Not a watcher. I didn't watch it either, but I know she was on it. And then we never heard of her again. <laughs> Remember when the um, staircase turns into a massive snake? Yeah. Sweet. Uh, oh, uh, What's-Her-Face was also in it. Um, the woman who was married to Ben Stiller. She was the... Oh, my gosh. You're totally right. The one who Christine lost her Taylor. hair. Yep, Christine yeah. Taylor. She was like the, she was the mean girl. She was the mean girl. And then her hair kept falling out in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. So good. Eventually. <laughs> welcome back from watching The Craft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that you're back, um, how awesome was that? You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you ever like have to go to a new high school somewhere in your senior or junior year, go with the witches. Do it. She really could have been in any clique. She chose correctly. She chose correctly. Yeah. And Nev Campbell, what I love about The Craft since you've just watched it, is that, like, <laughs> when we look at her, we're like, oh, she's so ugly. Oh, you, she's she's clearly been burned all over her body. And then all of a sudden, it's like nothing happens. She just takes off her shirt, wears a tank top, and you're like, she's beautiful. Hot stuff. Because she's getting all those treatments. And then one yeah. day it just starts to, like, flake away. Totes. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is working better than ever. Yeah, it's the dumber version of uh, the nerd with the glasses and hair pulled back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all they did was kind of give her a little bit of greasy hair that she put in front of her face. Mm-hmm. And bad posture. Yeah. And then they put her in her tank top, and it was like, confidence, <laughs> shalom. <laughs> I'm showing my skin. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes when Skeet I wear it. Skeet Ulrich. Oh, Skeet Ulrich is always <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he is now currently in the show Riverdale, which I hate. Yeah, he is. I hate to love that show. Oh, man. I'd love to hate it. I uh, <laughs> I hate, literally hate to love it. It hurts so good. It just kills me. Um, C- <laughs> Riverdale on the C-dubs. Uh, Riverdale on Netflix. Also, that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, finally, we're going to break up with um, <clears throat> Joseph Priestley, um, who, let's see. Um, oh, actually, so he, he discovered oxygen because of this uh, uh, phlogiston theory, but eventually science proved that matter combined with oxi- combines with oxygen through a process called oxidation and reduction, mm-hmm. which in turn unlocked the building blocks of, natu- of the natural universe. Yes. So he... Through mysticism, got us to where we are. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for oxygen, buddy. Hey, thank you. I don't know how people lived before then. <laughs> they wore spacesuits. NASA helped them. <laughs> All right. I don't even know what to say. I know. Next. You're just looking at me. Um, <laughs> William Crooks is next up on here. Um, he is from the 1800s. William Crooks discovered, by the way, he discovered we use a lot in this. Sorry. 
uh, discovered and named the chemical element thallium. Crookes was a pioneer of vacuum tubes. He was inventor of the uh, light mill, also known as Crookes radiometer. Uh, he was the identifier of the first known sample of helium, and he was an important researcher into cathode rays and radioactivity. All right. Well, Crooks lost his 21-year-old brother, Philip, to yellow fever. And after Philip's death, uh, William Crooks became a spiritualist. Oh, We're going to have a lot of spiritualists yeah, on this list. this is the time. Uh-huh. If you guys want to uh, go ahead, uh, take this time to, one, rewatch The Craft again. you got to see it twice just mm-hmm. to understand it. Uh, but also, um, <laughs> <laughs> look up our, our episode. I think it might be episode 15 of the Fox Sisters and Spiritualism. It's definitely early on. It's early on. Yeah. Um, so he uh, became obsessed with seances and paranormal phenomena. He studied mediums and declared their powers genuine. He joined the Society for uh, Psychological Research, the the Theosophical Society, and the Paranormal Research Association, simply known as the Ghost Club. Uh, Crooks had some influence on fellow scientists. There are lots of famous people in the Ghost Club. Do you think they had jackets? Uh, Or patches? I don't know. They, They probably had, like, some sort of, like... It was, like, gentlemen, so they probably had, like, a... Pocket square or something. Secret handshake. A pocket square. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Look it up. Ghost Club. Ghost Club. Ghost Club. I bet they had a song. (laughs) It's probably just like a Nickelodeon show that's like the number one rated. We've never heard of it. Ghost Club. The kids from Stranger Things are like. By the way, and if it's not, uh, trademark. (laughs) Ghost Club is ours. Um, We're taking all of the things. Yes. Uh, Crooks also had some influence on fellow scientist Nikola Tesla's idea of the soul. Tesla wasn't a believer in paranormal phenomena, but he respected Crooks and thought seriously about Crooks' idea of the spirit and life after death. So there you go. Okay. Next on the list is Alfred Russell Wallace. Okay. Uh, He is also from the 1800s. Um, I actually looked a lot into... Uh, Alfred Russell Wallace, because I really didn't know his name. And this is kind of crazy, y'all. There's a lot of you guys who know exactly who this is, but I did not. Um, He was a friend of Charles Darwin. And actually, Mm. Wallace had the theory of natural selection before Darwin did. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Check this out. This is crazy. Wallace sent Darwin a copy of his theory of natural selection in 1858 before Darwin had published a word of his own theory. Letters and notes from the time seemed to indicate that Darwin was already kicking around this theory of natural selection, but he didn't understand the key concepts like divergent evolution until Wallace explained them to him. Oh, no. Yeah. In fact, Darwin used Wallace's writings to inform on the origin of species. Uh, anyway, did so, he credit this guy at all? No. What but a dick. They developed a friendship that lasted for the rest of both of their lives. They were like Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Except not. <laughs> Except they're scientists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they died on the 4th of July together. Well, no, I was just thinking that they're like rivals, but that's Yeah, friends. yeah, yeah. Um, also, did, did anyone email us for my uh, John Adams DVD that I could send? Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> Nobody's interested. I really do have it. I can send you the HBO. I know, I borrowed it. Mm-hmm. Did you really? 
Yeah, I borrowed it like 10 years ago. No, you didn't. It didn't come out that long ago. Whenever you had it, I borrowed it. Oh, st- and I watched all of it. And I very cried good. So Lauren Lenny is. Good. God. So good. John Adams, tragic figure. Ugh, Paul Giamatti. When he's laying on that bed covered in those sores. No, ma'am. No, thank you. Ouch. Um, Wallace um, was an advocate of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. He was a full-on convert who wrote on the subject. Okay. Mm-hmm. He attended seances. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, actually, this was an issue for him. Um, Darwin thought he might have enjoyed celebrity status, much like Darwin himself. Uh-huh. Um, but his views on spiritualism um, alienated him from the scientific community. It makes sense. So Darwin was kind of like, yo, dude. You can be my secret friend. <laughs> yeah. Just don't tell anybody that we hang out sometimes. <laughs> right? Like those dudes that are like, <laughs> like you're like my girlfriend and stuff, but don't like talk to me at school. Right. That's, yeah. Alfred Wallace. Uh, it's really cool banging you and all, but uh, I don't want anybody to see us holding hands or anything like that. <laughs> totally. Yep. That's how Darwin <laughs> Darwin totally did that. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Next up is... Oh, what a dick that guy is. I know, right? We can be secret friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> take all your ideas and then be like, see that guy does that does spiritualism? What a weirdo. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> now where's my quill? It's time to write a letter. <laughs> Next up, uh, Oliver Lodge. Um, okay. He was uh, 1800s through the 1900s. I love his cast iron skillets. Uh, did he make those? I don't think so. I think that's actually, well, I think that's Lodge, that brand name. Oh, okay. They're great. Okay. <laughs> They're great. I wish, I wish there was actually, like, like the commercial for that was something, like, very, like, non-committedly and super disinterested. <laughs> Standing in a log cabin right. holding it up. They're great. <laughs> Lodge brand pants. They're great. <laughs> Um, <laughs> why don't we get more commercial work? <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to pitch that. Yeah. British physicist Oliver Lodge's research aided in the development of the telegraph. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oliver Lodge um, wondered if not just pulses and voices, but actual human thought could be sent over long distances. Oh. Fascinating. Here comes my thought. But isn't that cool though? Yeah. Let's because the telegraph, of course, is just pulses, right? Right. Uh, and, but pulses, those pulses had thought because people could but understand like tele- the coding it. And then voices eventually. And then, but voices are also indicative of human thought. But what if we took out the pulses and the voice and just sent th- thought so through wires? All telepathic. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, that they could be sent over long distances. Okay. Which is really cool. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up is like they were <laughs> such amazing scientists. Uh, and they they sort of were taking it to the next level. Uh-huh. Uh, at least in the ghosty yeah. sensibility. Yeah. Now, we got another spiritualist on our hands. Okay. So, uh, Lodge's son, Raymond, was killed in 1915 uh, in World War I. Um, Oliver Lodge was completely distraught uh, and became a Scientologist. Or, did I say Scientologist? You were about to, but you stopped yourself. Oh, okay. Uh, no, became a spiritualist, um, so he can communicate. So he could communicate with his dead son. In fact, he oh. believed that he was communicating with him yeah. in seances. 
Um, oh. Yeah. He, um, so his particular interest was in thought transfer, um, and he wrote a book um, called Spontaneous Telepathy and Clairvoyance. Okay. So that's what he... Spontaneous telepathy. Yeah. Huh. How does that work? Should I, I read the book? I don't know. Because that... I don't know that it's still in, in publication, to be honest with you. Because spontaneous implies that it's random. Right? I suppose. Or it's just kind, or it's just kind of like... There's no, there's no like thought behind it. It just kind of like happens. Like I would suddenly be able to read your mind. Yeah. Yeah, because clairvoyance just, means that like you, I guess like you could choose to read somebody's mind, but spontaneous telepathy would be that you just pick up a. It's like on the spot. A message, like a radio or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's interesting. I wouldn't imagine it would still be a publication you could find. Only because it, I, I don't know how popular it was back in the day. eBay. Yeah, we're on it. We'll look for it. Um, if somebody has a copy, yeah, <laughs> you want to send it. I'll I'll trade or, you uh, my John Adams. Perfect. Yeah. Or if you want to scan it and email it to us, that's a lot of work for that's them. That's a lot of work. You don't. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Thomas Edison. He's next. We'll do a swapsies. Top Tom Ed. <laughs> Tom Ed. Yes. Uh, 1800s through the 1900s. You guys know who Thomas Edison is, but I will go ahead and talk down to you. He invented <laughs> <laughs> the, incandes the incandescent light bulb, the phonograph, the electricity distribution system, the mineograph, the movie camera, the stock ticker, and then I just stopped writing things down. He definitely had zero impact on society. Yeah. <laughs> he was known as the Wizard of Menlo Park. <laughs> um... Now, there's something I want to talk about that I actually don't have in my notes, but I find this really, really interesting. Um, a lot of people don't realize that one of the reasons why he invented the phonograph or records in general. Um, so obviously phonographs play records. Right. Um, is that he was hoping to catch spirit voices. Yep. So... Um, we now know this is EVP, electronic voice phenomena, but there was an idea that um, ghosts were either speaking at a lower frequency or a higher frequency, mm -hmm. but if you could capture that, then the phonograph would be able to play that back. Right. So that's that. Um, <laughs> he would have had, like, Thomas Edison probably would have had the coolest ghost show oh my if God, he were yeah. alive today because totally. he devoted so much of his time trying to find them or like communicate with yeah. them. And he would have probably like, if he were alive today with the technology that we have today, which is actually based a lot on the technology that he created then. Right. Um, but if he had like the resources today, can you imagine like what he would be able to do and form with mm -hmm. them? Ugh. It'd be amazing. It would be amazing. I'm sure there's somebody out there that is, you know, of a similar mind, but we're just not seeing it. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, but just think, just think, <laughs> just think. Um, uh, oh, so back to Thomas Edison. Um, obviously, we know him as uh, one of the most prolific and successful inventors. Um, he believed that he could use technology to communicate with ghosts. This led him to the spirit phone. <laughs> <laughs> so he had, moved, he had moved on from the phonograph, but he was trying right. to... Uh, figure out a spirit phone. Uh -huh. And actually the scientific community laughed at him so much that 
uh, to this day, depending on what source you read, um, uh, you can either take that seriously or Thomas Edison himself, depending on who he was talking to, would be like, oh, no, 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 I was kidding. Right. And then to other people, he'd be like, no, no, I'm absolutely serious. I, I am working on the spirit phone. So <laughs> I just keep thinking of like the dream phone or whatever it was like that um, thing in the eighties where you could call like a, what was that a boy, thing? a boy, what was that thing? It was an, or it was a game dream date. I don't know. I don't remember. Why do you look at me like that? Why don't you know it's your memory? <laughs> <laughs> no, just Thomas it. Edison would know <laughs> the um, nastiest <laughs> look about not being able to remember the things she initiated. <laughs> what was that game where you had the phone and you called and it was like a boy? I feel like it's Dream Date. Maybe it was. I don't know. That's like one thinking. of those terrible games I had as a child. Yeah. That like taught me nothing but um, value in men. Um, yeah. There was another game that my sister and I had. Um, the entire premise of it was to shop at the mall. Did you do you know this game? No. I don't know what it's called. You got credit cards and more than one. And whenever you would buy something, like, your whole thing would be, like, to go around to shops and buy things. Oh, no. And there was, like, a credit card machine that you would put your credit card into, and you would either run out of money or get more money. <laughs> more money on credit? That added to your credit that card? That added to your credit card. Yeah, that sounds accurate. I mean, um, honestly, like, that between that and Dream Date, which were two of our favorite games for a long time, uh-huh. I think I needed to unlearn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> The 80s. <laughs> the 80s, <laughs> celebrating patriarchy and capitalism. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't remember that one at all. Between my Nancy Drew reboot books and <laughs> these terrible games. Um, let's talk about... Uh, um, now, because I'm American, I'm going to call him Charles Roche. Okay. Um, but I assume it's um, uh, it would be Charles Roche. That sounds pretty much the same. Yeah, that's what you just said. Um, in nineteen, yeah, I know, but I, I don't want to necessarily. Is he Americanize everything? Um, like if if I were really being American about it, I would say Charles Richet. So, in nineteen thirteen, uh, Charles Richet won the Nobel Prize in physiology, um, uh, physiology slash medicine for his research in into anaphylaxis. Okay. So we actually have a we owe a great deal to Charles Roche because anaphylaxis is a huge issue. Um, that's the rapid, potentially lethal allergic reaction um, to triggers such as food and medications, right? So if you if you have celiac or you, or you're allergic to uh, um, uh, bees, you have an EpiPen, and um, right. you're basically going into anaphylactic shock. And Charles Roche has saved your life. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, Chuckles. Um, Roche, <laughs> having done all this amazing stuff and winning the Nobel Prize, suspected that human beings could project their bodily forces to trigger physical events, that humans were capable of experiencing genuine premonitions, and that humans could form ectoplasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wrote extensively on his theories in uh, about the sixth sense in books like Treatise on Metaphysics, our sixth sense and the future, uh, the future and premonition. So, that, so he wrote three books. <laughs> that goes into the Philip experiment, what we were talking about uh-huh. a, a couple episodes ago with um, the human mind was, it wasn't actually coming from the spirit world. It was the human mind creating mm-hmm. 
Uh, and we talked about that with, uh, what's his face? Joshua yes. Horn. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, 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 you're right. Uh, that, but like, uh, humans could trigger physical events with their minds. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, we're going to talk about the Curies. Madame. Madame Marie Curie. <laughs> uh, and Pierre Curie, but let's talk about her. Cause she, that bitch won two Nobel prizes. <laughs> what, what, what? She wasn't playing dream date or like. <laughs> Shopping with fake plastic credit she cards. She was playing with like beakers and. She killed herself. Who did? Marie Curie. Did she really? Well, inadvertently, like she. Oh, it was like yeah. She exactly. gave herself radiation poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like crazy, right? Anyway, uh, her achievements included the development of the theory of radioactivity, mm-hmm. um, and within the theory of activity, the techniques for isolating radioactive isotopes. Mm-hmm. And she also discovered two elements, polonium and radium. Yep. So hence the radiation po- uh, poisoning. poisoning. Yeah. So no dummy, no dummy. I learned it the other day and I never knew this because I guess I never took the time to know it, but um, <laughs> that to me is like the best statement. I'm not knowing things. <laughs> I'm going to say that anytime. <laughs> So I was like, do you know this? I'm like, no, I don't know that because I never took the time to know it. I never cared enough to know. But uh, like full tilt just didn't. I was, I was taking to the work. I was hanging out with, uh, um, I guess we've established that you're my only friend. So we'll just call him Will um, <laughs> the other night with some people. Uh-huh. And Will uh, mentioned, um, we were talking about Mr. Nobel. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that he uh, was the one who created Dynamite. Yeah. This yeah. was his Winchester kind of. Yeah, I had no idea, and we he of course will as a has way too much knowledge in his brain, and told me everything about it. Yeah, he felt so badly about his um, yeah. development in science that he would give um, uh, the prize and money to people who were hopefully making um, uh, good contributions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know how I never knew that, but again, never took the time to care. Just <laughs> <laughs> will forever remain my favorite. I mean, like, <laughs> did you know about this thing in 1667? I'm like, no. And do you want to know why? Don't I care. just didn't care. <laughs> um, well, Marie and her husband, Pierre Curie, uh, found a, pro- uh, they had a profound Interest in mediumship. That's right. They were spiritualists. Uh-huh. At one point in their uh, careers, the Curie speculated about a possible spiritual source for the energy released by radioactive elements. So, yes, she did <laughs> discover radioactivity and radium, but she thought maybe there was a uh, spiritual source. Oh. Yeah. Uh, her husband was taken with a, and I'm going to totally mispronounce this. This is an Italian mystic. Her name is Eusapia Palladino. Uh, she claimed she could levitate tables and communicate with spirits. Could she? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could to a certain extent. But he only... thought she could move the earth, so it didn't right. matter. I, mean, what I, she I, I think he was uh, smitten. Maybe. Maybe having a bone with her. I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, days before his death in 1906, Pierre wrote to a friend about his latest experiment at, uh, experience at one of Palladino's seances, saying, There is here, in my opinion, a whole domain of entirely new facts and physical states in space of which we have no conception. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was very, very, very taken with spiritualism. Um, this... 
I didn't bother to do too much with her. Um, cause you, you can see from all these things, you, I could go down a rabbit hole on each and every one of these people. <laughs> I did, uh, way too much reading. Um, Eustapia Palladino, uh, the Italian mystic eventually I do believe was discredited. Okay. So I think she could do some of these things to a certain extent. Um, <laughs> But most of the people who, who were spiritualists at the time were... Right. Were, <laughs> I'm sorry. In my mind, I'm thinking she was discredited because, like, she had, like, some <laughs> small boy, like, behind a curtain with a fishing, like, oh, a, yeah. a fishing pole, like, holding up, pulling up the table and the wire just, like, uh, broke one day and everything came, smell. like, crashing down in front of the table full of people, including pulling down the curtain with sure. this boy standing there with a pole. <laughs> Just like, looking like an a-hole. Yeah. Well, there was that one weird one that we did where that girl, a small girl, was under the table and came out and danced on the table. Yeah. What a freaky thing that would be. That would be the worst nightmare. Like I would, would die. Re- yeah. I think my heart would stop. Yeah. I would have. <laughs> that would be one of those things where like no sound comes out where you're like. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even if later on after I was dead, somebody would be like. Like, you know, that was fake, right? I'm like, even in the moment I knew it was fake, but no. that was a jump cut I will never recover from. I don't care for that one bit. Dead. <laughs> Do not like. <laughs> Dislike. Thumbs down. Um, here's a French name that uh, I might not do a good job with. Uh, Camille Flammarion. I think you're doing great with all these names. You're, okay. Well, you're killing you. it because you we know how it would sound if I did it. <laughs> Camille Flammarion. <laughs> Well, we it. <laughs> I'm going to say it exactly the same way you just did. Uh, French astron- astronomer Camille Flammarion wrote extensively um, uh, in books and popular magazines. Um, also a believer in spiritualism and reincarnation. But he had a rather curious theory about life on other planets. Oh. This is for you, Mabu. <laughs> I might be able to speak to this. Probably. Yeah, I had to, I had to find one for you. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Flumerian combined the paranormal with the idea of extraterrestrial life. Oh wait, there are the Flumerians who actually follow him, and this is actually. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All of a sudden, it clicked. I'm like, this yes. is actually like he has a following. Of this people. is for you, motherfucker. <laughs> sorry. Sometimes when you're not around, I think of you. <laughs> I'm like, wait, I know this. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you might know this. <laughs> okay. Um, so when I finish with this, uh, I want you to speak to it. But I can't, but go ahead. I mean, oh. I kind of know it. Okay. Right. I just have like one more sentence about okay. this. Um, Camille Flammarion combined the paranormal idea with extraterrestrial life. Mm-hmm. He believed that after death, souls would travel to another planet, be reincarnated, mm-hmm. live, die, and then start the process again. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a whole, uh, there's there's still a group of people that follow this belief and um, and study this, and they're kind of all over the place. I think last podcast on the left uh, touched on this a little bit in an episode as well, um, but it's an interesting concept. It's a fun concept, and I really Very like fun. it. Um, well, I have a quick question. Do they, when they, okay, so here's what I wrote down. After death, souls travel to another planet, mm-hmm. they're reincarnated, they live, they die, then start the process again. Does that mean they're planet jumping, or are they coming back to Earth? Um, I believe they're doing it on another planet, and it's not a planet within this solar system, it's... 
So when we die on Earth, or even in this galaxy, it's possibly another galaxy in general. Got it. So when we die on Earth, they go someplace else. But when they die on their planet, they go to a different planet, or they keep dying on that planet. Um, I I'm not totally sure. I don't want to. I don't want to say because I I think that what I think it is is that they die here, or when we die here, our soul goes to another planet, uh-huh. probably in another galaxy. Sure. Um. And then it's reincarnated in that, on that planet. And then when it dies again, then you go to another one. So I think your planet. Okay. So the planet's still planet. I think that's. How fucking cool is that? I think that's the idea. That's what I thought it was, but I didn't know if I was speaking out of turn. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the concept. I don't. So I don't know a ton about this. I know that the Flamarians are a thing and I know this, this is a concept and, and that's kind of (laughs) as far as it goes is that. You're killing it with your speech today. I know they're a thing and I know it's a concept. (laughs) And that's about as much as it is. Um, At first I thought you were, we were going to start talking about like space travel, but. Oh, uh, (laughs) I don't think we're finished yet. (laughs) So (laughs) we have a little bit more time. Um, But yeah, I'm, (laughs) I'm aware of this. (laughs) You know, I know a little bit about everything. Yeah. uh, But I don't take the time to dive in. So I'm going to when it's like horror films and Buffy and then I'm all in you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And punk rock. And then I'm all in. Sure. Mine's murder. She wrote and uh, Dolly Parton. (laughs) That's right. I'm cool. I have a friend. Um, I'm going to say this in the, um, uh, German way, and then I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> Wolfgang Polly. Okay. Wolf, Wolfgang Polly is what we would say. Polly. Wolfgang Polly, uh, was someone who seemed to, or, um, oh, so his phenomenon, which is fascinating, is that he seemed to destroy electrical electrical equipment by just being in the same room with it. So, um, according to superstition, whenever he was a theoretical physicist, but whenever he walked into a room, lab equipment would, um, stop working. It would malfunction or it would simply fail. So his friend, Otto Stern, um, who's another scientist. Yeah, I was going to say he's a, he's a person. (laughs) (laughs) He is in fact a person. Uh, but they had labs near each other, and he um, he banned uh, Polly from his lab because he didn't want him to fuck up his stuff. He's like powder. And yet, Otto Stern was very interested in this because it was so uncanny. Yeah. Um, that they, they, Did they have shag carpet? Was he just, like, shuffling his feet, like, a sock feet across the room? Maybe. And then just touching things? Yeah. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. <laughs> and stop. <laughs> stop it, Wolfgang. <laughs> You have ruined yet another experiment. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, so Otto Stern was like, okay, cool. Well, you're clearly, like, ruining my shit, but this is kind of interesting. Let's study this. Uh-huh. Um, and Polly himself was actually convinced that, that this was no mere coincidence. He thought that he uh, had psychokinesis. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Um, and he believed that the mind... Uh, uh, mind and matter were interconnected and that human consciousness can have an effect on the outside world. And so what the, these two dudes were trying to figure out because um, Wolfgang had no control over his uh-huh. uh, kind of just cl- not clutziness, but you know what I mean? Like didn't necessarily go into labs to totally like right. screw things up. It would just happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so they also had a belief that this psychokinesis um, oh, shy I've done it again. 
I'm so sorry, Otto. <laughs> you know who could help him with this? Amy Allen. She would tell him the right people to meet. Yeah. How to control it. She, apparently these Germans need a Native American shaman. <laughs> A strong male medium. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. I'm now in the Dead Files group on Facebook. Um, I think that's all I can say about it. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel like I'll get in trouble. My love for you knows no bounds, but man, your fan base. Oh, we know. Anyway. Hey, Zoo Christy. Um, I want to bring up um, one of my favorite blood sugar sex magic pals. Yes. Jack Parsons. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Jack. <sighs> so Jack Parsons was a founding member of NASA's Jet Propulsion. That's mm-hmm. a hard word for me, too. Propulsion Lab and invented solid rocket fuel. Okay. He was also an acolyte of Aleister Crowley and a high-ranking member of Crowley's Ordo Templi Orientis. And former BFF to Lafayette Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Lafayette Ronald Hubbard. Yes, that's right. Um... He's coming here. Just oh, I'm sorry. Shoot. Sorry. No, no, no. You're great. Parsons claimed that he had once summoned the devil and that he had conjured up the perfect woman. Oh. Who took the form of his muse, Marjorie Cameron. Okay. Parsons also um, uh, was connected with the new religious movement. Scientology. That's right. Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> the writer L. Ron Hubbard lived with Parsons and his girlfriend, Betty, for a while and participated in <laughs> mystical Richard's. Sorry, Richards. Mystical rituals with Parsons. When I say mystical rituals, by the way, um, are we all like acclimated enough to high spirits to know what that means? And if not, Noel? Um, it's a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a player, I just fuck a lot. <laughs> Listen, so if um, you're a young uh burgeoning Lafayette Ronald Hubbard with your awesome Thinning ginger hair and, and fucked up teeth. gnarly teeth. You are landing all the ladies. Uh huh. And yeah, having so they... all the sex. Or you're stealing your friend, Jack Parsons' girlfriends. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because you, sir, have a sailor's cap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have a captain's oh. hat. <laughs> Since we have gone so far into uh, the life of Crowley, uh, uh, Basically, <laughs> I just made just the, the smallest of notes here that uh, Aleister Crowley and Parsons um, very, very, very significantly um, influenced uh, Scientology. Yes. All right. We just have a few more. We're going to talk about uh, Francis Crick. Okay. Is famous, you guys. Yeah. Dr. Francis Crick and his colleague, James Watson, uh-huh. were responsible for discovering the double helix model of DNA in 1953. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal for Big forensics. Deal. I was <laughs> I just want to say, without DNA, there's no forensic files. I mean, what do I fall asleep to at night? Without DNA, there's no Maury Povich show. <laughs> without <laughs> DNA, we can't solve crimes. No. We need that. We need DNA. Yes. Yeah. Well, they discovered it. Um... Crick and Watson uh, won the Norbel, Norbel, hello, mm-hmm. Nobel Prize for their work. Um, but Crick believed in a theory called pan. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. <sighs> Get it together, Stegman. Okay. <clears throat> I can't. <laughs> I don't even know why. Um. Crick believed in a theory called panspermia. 
<laughs> I'm uh, going to tell you what panspermia is. I don't know why this show, this show, like turns me into a 12 year old. <laughs> I don't know what but, happens. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> you just spit. Oh no! And there it is. Oh, it's all over. <laughs> All that mall back on that nice shirt. So, intergalactic panspermia. So, Crick believed that life was seeded on Earth by intergalactic sperm on the tail of a meteor or a comet. (laughs) So, he... um, You know what? If that guy's right, we are all going to be so sorry for laughing at him. He probably is right. He invented DNA. <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't oh, know. Brilliant. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> you fixing yourself over there? I'm fine. Right. I'm listening. Um, keep doing you. All right. Well, I'm almost finished. I I just wanted to uh, just wrap this up with um, uh, just some commonplace explanations for paranormal stuff. Um, okay. That actually are sciency. Um. Uh, and I, I, I was in like a little bit of a buzzkill on these things, but there's some scientific explanations for some of the things that we think are ghosts. Okay. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was um, uh, electromagnetic fields. And so the hypothesis here, uh, pulsed magnetic fields imperceptible on a conscious level cause unusual activity patterns in the brain's uh, temporal lobes, which can make people feel as if there's a presence in the room with them. Okay. This goes back to your Phillips deal. Yes. Yeah. Um, check that out a couple episodes ago. Uh, so, um, that's why you always see ghost hunters carrying around EMF meters, or you always hear me bitching about people's basements. Um, it's because basically these magnetic fields, um, uh, screw with your brain and, 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 and cause you not even necessarily to, not necessarily to hallucinate, but just to feel like ookie wookie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the technical term of ookie wookie. <laughs> That's what Sir Isaac Newton would say. <laughs> um, I've actually talked about this uh, a, a many episodes back on the show, but I want to talk about it again. Uh, infrasound. Yeah. Um, infrasound is sound at levels so low that humans can't hear it. Um, low frequency vibrations can cause distinct physiological discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, low frequency noise can cause disorient- disorientation, feelings of panic, changes in heart rate and blood pressure. Uh, studies show links between infrasound, infrasound and bizarre sensations like getting the chills down your spine or feeling uneasy. So if you've been paying attention to any of the things reported by people who see ghosts, uh, they often <laughs> get chills down their spine and they feel uneasy. Um, Something really, really important, um, which for the longest time people didn't necessarily know about, um, black mold recently became famous. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these quote unquote haunted houses, famous haunted houses, uh, many of them had like major mold problems. Mm -hmm. Um, so mold, um, (laughs) uh, Shane Rogers is actually an engineering professor at Clarkston university. Um, and he, he actually attributes most paranormal rationale. Uh, or belief in ghostly activity to mold growth. Um, oh, okay. Again, another reason why your basement is probably haunted. Um, preliminary research indicates that some molds can cause symptoms like irrational fear and dementia. Oh, okay. Also, not on my sheet of paper, but I do have to say this. Um, ergot 
is a fungus, not a mold, but it's a fungus mm-hmm. that was found on rye. Ergot and ergotism has been important to this show, but uh, mostly because it's been important to history. But right. the Salem witch trials, um, uh, there was this sense that maybe the fields um, or the, the bread had been compromised by right. ergot and had this sort of um, created this mass um, hysteria. Yes. <clears throat> uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. Many a year ago, people didn't even know about carbon monoxide, mm-hmm. but of course we do know about carbon monoxide now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just have a few points to say about this. In 1921, Dr. W.H. Wilmer published an odd story about a haunted house in the medical journal, the American Journal of Ophthalmology. The family, who he was uh, working with, uh-huh. they were experiencing weird phenomena when they moved into an old house, hearing furniture move around, strange voices in the night, feeling invisible specters. They also reported being held down in bed by ghosts, feeling weak, and more. As it turned out, though, a faulty furnace was filling their house with carbon monoxide, causing aural, which means with your ears, uh, and visual hallucinations. The furnace was fixed, and the family went back to their lives. No more ghosts. Interesting, because normally um, carbon monoxide usually just makes you sleepy, like kind of fucks with your mm-hmm. um your energy yes messes with your energy but also uh causes um uh dementia good to know okay and um i love this being held on in ghosts by bed feeling weak and more um it reminds me of amityville in a way because uh dude man kept putting tons of logs in the fire that could have mm-hmm. been a carbon monoxide issue yeah. exacerbated by that yeah um because every moving furniture, strange voices in the night, specters, anyway. Well, and you could you could almost take that back to Ronnie DeFeo, too, because he was living in the basement. Uh-huh. And so if there was mold and a carbon monoxide uh-huh. leak, and that was making him a little funny in the head. Yes, from the and, many of the, and also the electro- electromagnetic fields in the basement. Yeah, so that it's, it's actually surprising to me that people haven't pointed to that before. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, here's another reason why um, people believe in ghosts. Uh, a scientific reason why people believe in ghosts. Um, someone else said it was real. Well, yeah. So that's the, I mean, to me, this is like, again, we've been talking about like speaking in very simple terms today. Mm-hmm. When we're like, I didn't, I didn't do it because I wasn't interested. Right. Um, but this is, this is um, the science of basically group mind or, um, it's, belief in someone tells you something it's going back to my whole thing I did on urban legends but someone mm-hmm. tells you and you're like oh yeah for sure yep. it's it's so simple and it's it's one of those things where it's like well my friend uh mm-hmm. told me that she saw this thing or experienced this thing and I this is a person that I trust and love therefore why would they make it up like my mom has a couple of stories mm-hmm. and that I 100% believe mm-hmm. and my my mom actually is not necessarily um a believer of ghosts, mm-hmm. but she has mm-hmm. seen a couple of things and I, who was not up there with her completely trust her and believe that that actually happened. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing. If somebody else said it was real, boils down to this. If someone else confidently asserts they saw a ghost, it might influence a fellow eyewitness to believe they saw it too. So okay. let's go back to this. Yeah. It's even the eyewitness okay. thing. Um, and we know this from our crime shows. Uh-huh. Um, that you can convince people who 
we're standing right next to you. Right. Um, if you have enough details and everything goes by in such a flash, you can convince them that they saw exactly what you saw. Mm-hmm. So say you had it like, um, you just did like a, like a control study and you just had like a, a guy in a trench coat and a black cap run through a room and steal a purse. Right. You could turn to the person next to you and cu- come up with a couple of additional descriptions and they would be like, yep. Mm-hmm. And they just wouldn't, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they in, so they instead of a trench coat, they'd be like, he was wearing an army jacket. And they'd be like, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Or instead of a ski cap, they'd be like, oh, yeah, he was wearing a fedora. Right. Or, oh, he was white. Or, oh, he was black. Or, he was 5'10". Or, he was 6'2". Like, all of these things um, well, are extremely influential in the room because eyewitnesses really feel like they're in an important situation mm-hmm. and they want to get it right. Well, think about it, even, like, now – it's, I think it's, we're even more influenced because our attention spans are shorter. We're less focused because we're so addicted to technology and looking at our phones. So we might not even have looked up and seen anything. So we're basing it off of whatever this other person is saying. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, especially when it comes to true crime or things like that, or like any type of eyewitness account, um, you have to wonder like, how much we can really like believe and trust that person. And I hate to like second guess these people right? because, but but, I mean, I, I witnessed a a car accident not too long ago. I did too. And, Oh, um, and it was, it was a fender bender, but I had that moment where I was like, am I going to have to be here and stay here and like talk to the cops? And it happened so quickly. I, I know exactly what happened where the person just didn't break fast enough, but um, it was that moment where I was like, I was more or less just like focused on what I needed to do and not paying attention to anything mm-hmm. else. So I can't really speak to this. And I think that happens a lot of times where you're not really necessarily paying attention unless you're, you're filming it. Yeah. And that's probably a good thing that people do take that time to grab their phones yeah. and put it up. A lot of times I criticize that because I'm like, put your phone down. Like this yeah. isn't the thing to do, but really when you think about how unfocused as a society we are, really are, we probably do need that person to have their phone out. Mm-hmm. Well, for my for the car accident that I saw, mm-hmm. um, um, I was over – these streets probably don't make any sense, but just for Noelle's understanding of it, I was at North and Wells in front of um, Walgreens. Yep. And I saw a car um, zipping down North Avenue, and it flipped what? in front of the Old Town Ale House. You should not be going fast there because it's no well so much traffic. It, here's the crazy thing, um, and like everybody ran out of the alehouse and they were trying to help. I actually, ended yeah. up talking to someone later on about like how how dangerous right. and what a big deal it was. But um, which is interesting because I was going to go to the alehouse and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go home. So that's why I had that distance. Glad you made that call, man. Yeah, right. Uh, no had, good happens. I had a premonition. I didn't. You end up being there till 4 a.m. Right? Okay, but here's a weirdo (laughs) thing. I saw, so I saw the car flip and I saw exactly what happened, but all those people came out and I called from about a block away, like half block, um, blockish, right? Uh I called 911 and I was like, "Um, you're probably getting tons of phone calls right now. There's a really serious accident. There's a really serious accident at, um, on North Avenue, like right between, um, Wells and North Park. And they were like, no one's called. And I looked over, and there were, like, 20 people on the sidewalk. That's nuts. Is that crazy? And I stayed on the phone with them for, like, 20 minutes. Uh-huh. It, 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 because 
and I'm so glad I called. Everyone believes that somebody else is going to do something. Right. Right. So that's kind of like the bystander syndrome too. It's like, mm-hmm. I literally call the first things out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry to bother you. You must be inundated with phone right. calls. No, you were the first. Um, mm-hmm. They sent people over so fast. I was very impressed. Um, but she kept me on the phone to keep talking about the incident. And I was like, I have to be honest with you. I'm about a block, a half a block away. I'm on the other side of the street. This car was going really fast. She's like, how fast? I'm like, really hard to gauge. I want to say it was going about 50 miles an hour and it just went over one of the middle parts mm-hmm. and flipped. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, was it turning? Like, did it quickly turn and blah? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And it was so fascinating. She was like, what kind of car is it? You know, I don't, I don't know anything about cars. Right. But she was like, what kind of car is it? I'm like, I have no idea. She's like, is it two door or four door? I don't know. What color? I mean, like everything that she needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly. And I think they're supposed to know. keep you on the phone until like the emergency response people will And arrive. they did show up. Yeah. And, but I think that's like as the 911 person, I think that's part of their job yep. is that they're supposed to keep you engaged, even if you're not. Uh, the person that is involved in the the crime or the accident, but they need somebody on the phone until people are. But I could tell she was really frustrated because she was basically like, like, you don't know anything. And I'm like, I don't know anything. I literally just saw a car speeding like crazy. I don't know what it hit. And she was like, did it hit a person? And I was like, maybe. Because I didn't know why, why a car like that would flip. Did, so was everyone okay? Do you know? Uh, I do know the driver is severely injured. Okay. Um, but no bystanders were hit. Well, that's good. That's really scary. Um, Yeah. It was, it was really strange, but they, they, they came pretty quickly, but I could tell she was getting irritated with like the amount that I didn't know. But I was like, I lady, I commute. I don't know cars. Like I was like, yeah, I I can see it. Perfect. I mean, I was like, I can see it perfectly. I can see all these like there's 20 people like helping. And I mean, my fear for them, I thought the car was going to blow up just because it flipped so many times. Yeah. It flipped that many times. Really? I think it flipped like two or three times. Oh it was God. going so fast. It just, I've never seen a car flipping down North yeah. Avenue. Well, no. So then she was like, well, ma'am, it must've taken a really fast turn then. And I was like, your guess is as good as mine. She's like, well, that's probably what happened. I was like, sure. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, but I I don't know. I would love to listen to the audio of this. I would too. She, just her being like, "Why don't you make things up?" But you know me, I don't like I don't like to make things up. No, I know, I know. Yep. I mean, I'm sure I could have been like Ford Taurus. Yeah, it's like, cherry red. Um. See ya. Uh, and here's the last reason, and we'll let the people go. Thank you for listening. Um, the last scientific reason is people want to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, just like Fox Mulder. Yep. <laughs> there's a motivational side to belief in ghosts. Um, our brain chemistry actually, um, feels, um, um, uh, soothed and often excited, mm-hmm. um, because people want to believe in life after death. Mm-hmm. Now, the amount of scientists that I talked about on this show who became spiritualists because a loved one died right. was half the list. Mm-hmm. So there is something, um, uh, very comforting to the alive human brain, um, you want to know that your loved one is okay. Yeah. That hope and yeah. and that feeling of like, maybe I could communicate with you or I'm not, I'm not as sad as I, I'm not that sad because I feel like you're coming to me in my dreams or whatever the fuck it is. Right. And we, we've talked about this before. It's that, that whole idea of 
when someone has passed, it, it's more of like a selfish, and I, and I hate to use the word selfish, but it's, it's, it's definitely more of a comforting thing for the live person. Oh yes. That like knowing that your loved one is in a good place or that you can still communicate with them mm-hmm. um, because that loss is so tremendous. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. So the idea of our own mortality, which we were just talking about, is one that we're not generally comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so, again, um, I mean, it's why we have heaven. It's why we have <laughs> any other idea um, to believe um, that there's life after death. Um, and the scientific thought behind this is confirmation bias. And so confirmation bias holds powerful sway over our perceptions. Yeah. And so... Our brains will, um, and quite literally, when I'm using literally in the correct way, <laughs> most uh-huh. of the time we use it colloquially incorrectly, but quite literally our brains will tell us this is happening. Yeah. I want this to be so, so it is. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. That's awesome. I love this. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Thanks, science. Thanks, science, for being ghosty. Yep. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have on this show called High Spirits. Uh, my name is Jay Segment, and this here is my pal, Noel Schmidt. Um, on the show, we are sponsored by uh, beer companies and liquor companies. Um, I am drinking New Glarus from the good old state of Wisconsin. I'm I'm drinking Scream IPA. Uh, two two notes on that. We're actually not sponsored by these people. I am oh, legally yeah. obligated to say that, uh, <laughs> but someday we hope that we are. Uh, hey, we're, we're doing confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. <laughs> it's Oprah's the secret. Gail. I'm gonna use that all the time. It's a callback from the other show. It is. <laughs> It's a combination of that goal uh, guy screaming and Oprah's whatever it is she does. Um, the other thing with New Glarus is that you can only buy it in the state of Wisconsin. You cannot find it anywhere else. So go visit Wisconsin. Um, I think you technically committed a crime of beer trafficking. No, I can. Pay, I purchased it in the state of Wisconsin, and I brought it, and we are not distributing here. It is completely legal what I did. Okay. Um, but go to the state of Wisconsin and get yourself some New Glarus. Actually, go to the town of New Glarus. It's a delightful little Swiss town Aww. in the uh, south-central part of the state of Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I hope you're looking out and listening because we just gave you a huge plug. <laughs> Brought to you by Wisconsin Board of Tourism. <laughs> And the uh, paranormal uh, research facility at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Correct. Um, I'm drinking uh, Trumpeter Malbec. Trumpeter. Mm -hmm. Well, you've been listening to High Spirits. Uh, We love you so much. It's so painful uh, when you don't love us back. So go ahead and like (laughs) us on Facebook. Check out our um, webpage, which is highspiritchicagopodcast.com. Drop us a line. Uh, Noelle has one. We're on Twitter and Instagram, too. Oh, yeah. We're on Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> we're on all the social media. We do the things. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you were saying. Oh, I was going to say, Noelle has one last awful thing to say to you. Sweet dreams. <laughs>